be steadfast, be immovable, because God is already preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome back to Unlocking Scripture. I'm your host, Justin Torres. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a topic that can be very encouraging for a lot of people that could be struggling in their current situations. And, and that's just basically about finding faith in times of difficulty. In my own personal walk with God and just in my life in general, I faced many difficult seasons. And one thing I can say for sure is that through the power of God and through the help of the Holy Spirit, I've been able to overcome many difficult seasons in my life and it's just by his grace and his mercy. So I want you to be encouraged that if you're facing anything in your life right now that seems to be impossible, like you can't overcome it, or if the situation just doesn't want to change, it's a stubborn situation, whatever it might be, just know that God is able, he doesn't change, and he's able to do the things that he says he's able to do. And we're going to get into that today by diving into his word and seeing how the Word of God talks about that and proves that God is able to change a situation and turn it around for His glory. So this should be something that should bless you. I hope it is. So I wanted to start off by, you know, just kind of basing everything on this one verse. And this is going to be Proverbs 24.10. This is the first thing I want you all to pay attention to because we all struggle. We all have our moments of weakness and we all have our moments of difficulty one thing that the bible guarantees and it comes right from jesus own mouth is that we will face trial and tribulation it guarantees that you know despite what the mainstream christian media says that you're going to accept christ and all of a sudden things are going to be flowers and roses and things are going to be good you're going to get a brand new car brand new house and life is going to be great that's not really what the bible says it's not biblical you know, Jesus says that he comes to give life and give life in abundance. But when he says that, that that's not referring to physical possessions here on earth. Instead, the Bible teaches us to store our treasures in heaven. So Jesus is talking much more beyond just that. He can bless you physically 100%, but it's eternal life that is the focus. He didn't come to die on a cross so that you can have a Mercedes Benz. You can't just die on a cross so that way you can live an eternal life with him. So one thing is for sure is that we're going to we're guaranteed to have trial and tribulation and persecution for his name's sake. And this is the the verse that this whole message hangs off of. That's Proverbs 24:10. It says, "If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small." And just take a moment to chew on that for a minute. It's very direct, black and white in your face. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So if the Bible guarantees that we will have trial and tribulation, we need to have strength to move through that trial and tribulation. We can't faint on the first day because you're going to have day two, you're going to have day three, so on and so forth. But even if you're enduring a season now and you overcome it, you're going to have another season later that's going to be difficult too. So you can't faint. And how do we overcome that is by leaning on God through those moments and trusting in him and finding faith during those times of difficulty, learning how to put our trust in God. So that's something that's important because 
as Christians, like I said, we're going to have those moments and God expects us to overcome, but not by our own strength. He expects us to overcome by leaning on him. And this is James 1.12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So there's verses in the Bible that actually compare these trials to Olympic Games. And for those of you who haven't known, but the Olympic Games or just that those type of games have been around forever since like the Greek times. And um, when you look at this verse particularly, it's kind of alluding to that almost because it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. So the word steadfast is the same as saying someone who is immovable. So blessed is the man who, in other words, is or remains immovable during those circumstances. And then it says, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So taking it back to the Olympic Games, if you ever seen a winner of the Olympics, they usually give them like this crowned wreath that goes over their head and that's to symbolize their victory. That dates back to even biblical times. So that crown of life receiving that championship crown that you have stood the test that you have passed it that you have you know got through that trial and it says which god has promised to those who love him so you are blessed by staying firm during those trials by being immovable during those trials and we're gonna have them there's gonna be times that things are gonna close in on us and it's gonna get difficult but greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. And that's something that we have to remember and allow to be at the forefront of our mind that when you start to rely on your own strength through getting through these trials, that's when you find yourself fainting in that day of adversity because your strength, by your human strength, your human strength is small. But the Bible teaches us that when we allow ourselves to decrease and allow God to increase, we allow ourselves to rely on his strength and he becomes greater. You know, Paul said it when he was talking about the thorn in his side, God said to him, you know, after he had asked God to remove that thorn, God said to him that he won't. He says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. So for us, in order for us to actually get through certain trials, we have to depend on God's strength. And we have to do that because when we are weak, he is strong. His strength is made perfect. But again, when we go back to Proverbs 24.10, if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength will be small. And Jesus talks about the parable of the sower. And he talks about a seed that goes out. And I don't recall exactly if it was the seed that landed on the rocks. But it basically said that, you know, for that person, it the seed lands on on that bad soil and then as soon as trials and tribulations come into that person's life they leave the faith that's what he was saying when he was interpreting it to his disciples and that can easily be any one of us if we faint in the day of adversity the bible calls us to persevere and that's why god gives you his holy spirit because it's through the power of the holy spirit that you'll be able to persevere just look at the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about long-suffering. We interpret that as patience a lot, but I believe it's much more than that. 
just like we look at the word peace in the Bible, and the Bible mainly uses the word shalom, the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is much more than just the absence of trouble. Shalom is total well-being, nothing missing, nothing broken. It can go much more deeper than just the absence of trouble. So likewise, you know, when we look at, um, you know, adversity and, and just that parable that Jesus was talking about, you know, we have to be able to overcome those things and not allow ourselves to just fall by the wayside just because things get tough on day one. And I want to read another verse. This is First Peter 5.10. It says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So on the other side of these trials lies a reward. The first reward that we see, James 1.12, it says that crown of life, that you will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The reward that we see in 1 Peter 5.10, it says that after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So whatever didn't look established in the beginning, God will restore you, God will confirm you, God will strengthen you, and he will establish you. There, There is victory on that other side, but you can't get to victory if there's no battle in between. There's no such thing as victory without adversity. There's no such thing as victory without resistance. And God calls us to persevere. So, you know, when we look at long suffering, like I was mentioning earlier, it's not just patience, but it's the ability to persevere. It's the ability to overcome. It's the ability to be steadfast under trial and not be mobile. And we need to ask God to place that within us, allow us to be steadfast, to be immovable Christians, immovable disciples of Jesus Christ, because the reality is trying times are coming whether they're personal times or not persecution is going to eventually come knocking on our door if we're believing in christ and we're following jesus persecution is going to come and in order to overcome persecution we need to be immovable we need to be steadfast and not fall and faint in the day of adversity now um I want to turn to a chapter. This is Psalms 27. And I want to talk to those of you who, you know, might find themselves in fear, might find themselves in trouble. You know, this is what the Bible says. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversity, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. So when the devil rises up against you and tries to torment you, tries to come against your life, tries to come against the, the plan of God in your life, when you trust in God, it's him who falls and stumbles. You know, the Bible tells us that greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. What we have to do is stop relying on our own strength. Stop relying on what we can do, but instead place our faith in God 
place our trust in him. So when things do rise up against us, when that tide starts to ride up, rise up, we know who our faith is in and we know that he is able. And through him we overcome. It's through his power that we overcome, not our own. But it says it here on 27.2, Psalm 27.2, it says, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. So when someone comes against you, and tries to come against the plan of God in your life. It is they who stumble and fall. Because you're a child of God. God protects his own. And for those of you who are parents. You know how much you would go out of your way to protect your children. God is no different. If not, God is greater. That when someone comes against his kids. It's they who stumble and fall. Because God is defending you. And this is something I want you to pay attention to. Because we have to be humble. The Bible teaches us that if you rejoice in, in the day that your enemies fall, you'll be the one to pay the price for it. He'll stop whatever it was that he was doing. So we can't rejoice in those moments. We have to be humble. And so this is what I wanted to go through. Is, is verse 3, it says, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So while the enemy rises up against us, and I'm talking about a spiritual enemy at this point, because we, we do have a spiritual enemy. We have Satan that tries to rise up. He wants to come against us. He wants to kill us. And you know what? He's a defeated foe at the end of the day. Our attitude as believers, though, is that we remain focused on God because it says one thing that I have asked the Lord and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When you just look at what the psalmist is writing, he's focused on God. Forget about the enemies that are surrounding him. He's solely focused on the majesty of God, and he knows that God fights his battles. So that's something for you to take with you, is that God fights your battles at the end of the day. And this is another verse. I'll read it. This is, um, let's read out of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So look how those two verses complement each other. Is that chapter 27, it talks about us not fearing, but that we should fear God only. And that if, if God is our light and our salvation, then whom shall we fear? And it talks about it again that the focus of the psalmist was focusing on God. And while he's focusing on God, God is preparing a table for him in the presence of his enemies. So he's not worried about the enemy. He's focused on the goodness and mercy of God because he knows God fights his battles. And that's something for you to take with you today is that when the devil rises up against you and he tries to roar, resist him. Be steadfast. Know who you are in Christ. Take on the armor of God. You have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. 
But it's your responsibility to put on the armor of God, not to fall victim into the devices of Satan. Instead, focus your attention on God. Put your faith and your trust in him, knowing that he is preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. This is Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So even regardless of what is going on, good, bad, or in between, we know that for those who love God, he works all things for your good. For those who are, ca are called according to his purpose. But it brings us right back to the verse that we studied in the beginning. Is that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Don't faint. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Because God is already preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You need to only be still. You need to just trust in him. Just look to God. Know that he is in control. Know that he is able. And that he works all things out for your good. When that tide rises up, it's going to look like it's a big tide that's about to just overcome you, just overtake you. But just remember what happened with Jesus and his disciples when they were on the boat. Jesus was asleep. There was a storm that broke out. The disciples are panicking and they're upset with Jesus. Like, how are you sleeping in the midst of this storm? You don't care if we just perish right now? That's what they said. And Jesus is just relaxed. He's just, he's taking his nap. He's not, he's unbothered completely. And they're freaking out about it. As soon as they wake him up, he rebukes the wind and the sea. And then, and then ask him, like, you, you know, you have little faith. That's the comment back. You have little faith. So don't be that person. And I'm not saying that that's not a human thing to do because we all fall short. We all make mistakes and we all lack faith at times. But in this reminder now, put your faith on the one that's in the boat and forget about the waves that are around you. Know that Jesus has control, that he can rebuke that storm. He walks on water. He's able to lift you up. The Bible says that we're seated in high places with Christ. So we're above the storm when we walk with him. So don't faint in the day of adversity. Instead, have your faith in Jesus, the one who is able. And let's keep reading. This is Romans 12, 12. It says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And, and that's the Holy Spirit that leads you there is to, to pray. Only the Holy Spirit can give you joy. And can help you rejoice in hope and help you to rejoice in moments of tribulation. See, happiness is temporary, but joy can pierce through any type of circumstances. Joy can be present in the midst of some of the most hurtful situations and the most painful of times. You can still have joy because joy comes from God. Happiness is temporary. Somebody can give you a hundred bucks and that can make you happy. But only God can give you joy. That in the midst of the worst situations, you can still find the reason of praise. It's through the Spirit of God. Then it says, be patient in tribulation. Sometimes tribulation can have also a duration. It can last for a while. 
Be patient. Trust in God. Know that he is in the midst of that storm and that he's carrying you through it. You know, sometimes when we're going through it, it, it feels like God is absent. It feels like he's not there. And you may be praying, you may be crying out, and it feels like he's not answering you. But he's carrying you through it all. Remember, Jesus was in the boat sleeping, but Jesus was still in the boat. Once he woke up, he rebuked the winds and the seas. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. If you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Continue to seek him. Be patient in tribulation. It's not saying that God is not going to show up. God will show up, but be patient in that tribulation. Last but not least, be constant in prayer. That's the attitude to have is to continuously be in your prayer closet. God wants the secret place from us. So if you want to see God move in the midst of your tribulation, be constant in prayer. Regardless if you see the answer today, be constant in prayer because you will see the answer. And this is what John 16.33 says. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And this is the same Jesus that lives in you today. The same Jesus that has overcome the world, that has risen from the grave, now lives in you and tells you that you are more than a conqueror. So you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. James 1-2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, that's a hard pill for a lot of people to take in and swallow because to count it all joy, I mean, that... If we're just being real for a moment, that, that's not something that we often do. But the Bible tells us, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. It's through these trials that God begins to shape us. He begins to mold us and transform us to be more like Jesus. Now, I, you know, I have a friend in church. His name is Ricky. So shout out to Ricky if you're listening to this. Um, he's like a brother to me. But... There was one thing that he said one time we were at a youth camp and the AC unfortunately wasn't working. We live in South Florida where it's pretty hot out here. The AC wasn't working. There's probably like 50 youth in that house and, you know, we're going to sleep sweating pretty much. And while you're hearing people complain about, you know, the AC's not working, you know, it's rough out here, yada, yada, yada. He just said one comment that stuck with me ever since this, he said, you know, this is what builds character. And it was true. As much as a joke as it might have been at the moment, it, it's just the truth that it's these moments of trial that build character. Because after that, if, if you allowed it to do its job, after those trials, you come out a better person. You come out stronger. You can deal with the next thing a lot more better than you did the first time. You come out with wisdom. You come out with strength. And with character. So when it talks about counting it joy, that's where we can count it as joy is that by me going through this and coming out of this, I see the hand of God move. So I can give God praise for the fact that he carried me through this. But I can also count it joy that I will be bearing fruit as a result of this. So God is good. Exodus 14, 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you and you 
have only to be silent. So trust God in the midst of it all that he can fight your battle. He will win your battle and he'll allow you to overcome. There is one thing I do want to mention. And if I go back to Psalm 27, it says on verse 9, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read until I stop. But it says, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on the on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. The reason I wanted to read this is because for those of you who believe that people are rising up against you specifically, we need to take a moment to be very careful with how we analyze those situations. There's going to be time that people raise up against you, just like we saw Judas raise up against um, Jesus. There's going to be real moments of that. Our response is not to ask God to strike them down. Jesus was very clear on that with his two disciples when they came across the Samaritans. The Samaritans were talking bad, and they said, Jesus, should we, should we ask God to call down fire and consume them? And he rebuked them. And he called them the sons of thunder as a joke after that. So God doesn't want us to call on him and say, strike these people down. That's not what he wants us to do. No, the, the, Jesus said that we need to love our enemies. So we, we got to love them. It's, it's not something that we got to pray and ask God to, hey, how about you pay them back for what they did? That's not, not biblical. No, we have to love on them. We have to forgive them. We have to show them mercy. Turn the other cheek. And you can set up your boundaries. Restoration doesn't mean restored. You can set up healthy boundaries, but you have to forgive. But in this particular verse also, the reason why we have to analyze those situations is because sometimes those people that you call your enemies are also the people that you might have came against and not even realized it. So we have to be very careful about that because this is what the Bible says here. It says, uh, let's look for that verse. verse 12. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. So when we think about God fighting our battles, he'll fight the battle against the false witness. But if you're the false witness, God's not going to fight that battle. Instead, he's going he's gonna to humble you. He's going to lead you to repentance. And if the Spirit of God is tugging on your heart and telling you, hey, you might just be the problem in that situation, you're best off not only repenting, but making amends with whatever that situation was, whether there was people that you offended, people that you've hurt, and maybe didn't have the intention of hurting Whatever the situation is, once the Spirit of God starts to highlight those things, start to pray and ask Him for clarity and ask Him for what is the best way to make amends in the situation. So that way He can be glorified and it can no longer be a hindrance in your spiritual life with Him. But that's something that's important to mention because 
we as Christians, we have to learn how to walk humbly. We have to be teachable and we have to be forgiving if we want to see God move. But if we want to be able to find faith and trust God in, in these situations, we have to humble ourselves. And then we have to do this one other thing, which is Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trusting in the Lord. You want to do that. But in order to do that properly, it has to be with all your heart and you also have to forsake your own understanding. Just like we talked about earlier, there's going to be times where it looks like God is not present. It looks like he's absent. In those moments, don't lean on your own understanding. Forsake your understanding. Just get rid of it and trust in the Lord with all your heart and you'll see God move. So I hope that this has blessed you. If it has, make sure that you leave a review, like, and subscribe, and share this with somebody that will be a blessing to them as well. And we'll look to see you on the next episode. Until then, I'm praying for you, rooting for you. God bless you.